boom. We have recording in 2021. The year <laughs> of 2021. About. The year of our Lord. The year of our Lord of 2021. The year of the rat. Is it? The year of the sparrow. Don't. You're the, star, the starling. Don't even give him the opportunity to claim legitimacy. I know. I don't know why I did that. I meant it too. The, oh. the hum, the hummingbird. Oh, that would be cute. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. It was finally the year of the hummingbird. Some hum, the hummingbirds finally got a little respect that they deserve. It's about time. Being, hummingbirds get no respect at all. As birds go, they're down on the, the lowest rung of respect. I feel like they're some of the, the least pesky birds. They're so sweet. My dad has a hummingbird feeder and they mm-hmm. come on the back like percola in his deck. They're so tiny and fast and frantic and adorable. I always hey, love seeing hummingbirds. <laughs> yeah, they're delicious. They're so good. With like a nice like rice a pilaf. Yeah. No, like the wings. Hummingbird <laughs> oh wings. Oh my god. <laughs> no, as if my amazing. answer is ridiculous. Uh, amazing with some um, a little bit of um, Ranch dressing, fry those fuckers. You need to kill like ten of them to make a meal. Seriously, so, so good. They're like Skittle size. You can get it in, in China. You can get them in boxes. They come in like in the states. You know, you have like like Rolos and Skittle boxes. Um, in China, they've got hummingbird wing uh, boxes. They call them they call them super funny fly wing bird wing fly. We're gonna have to put a little like. Disclaimer that no hummingbirds were hurt in the making of this episode. Why though? Why? Like nobody puts disclaimers about chickens or turkeys or pheasants or, you know, other bird game birds. Why why are hummingbirds off limit? Cuter. Well for me all birds are off limit, so but for me too. But nobody's like, oh don't, uh-huh. please don't kill that beautiful. It's weird I, that we I eat had birds. eggs with turkey bacon this morning, so I'm I did double oh my culture. God. Speaking of right. eggs, I learned yet, really interesting like, oh, fact. no, you can't eat a hummingbird egg. That's cruel and unusual. I don't, don't think, anyone, I don't think anyone gets upset about eating any type of egg. Even Everyone's snake eggs like, get oh, a pass. Why would you eat that hummingbird egg, you monster? And yet people, no shit, eat like ostrich eggs, quail eggs, and everyone everyone draws the line at the hummingbird egg. I like quails. I've never quail eaten eggs are one, good. but I just like looking at them. I think they're... They bring joy. They spark joy. Well, then keep more of them in your house. I can't. Every time I visit Arizona, though, I I look for the quails. My favorite tweet from that Melissa, whatever her name is, the the so sad today, looked in the mirror, did not spark joy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. What do we do? How do we even begin? I don't know. How do we even begin this, this 2021 Interregnum. Now everybody knows the, the, the term interregnum, right? Remember when I threw interregnum out? And you guys were like, I don't know that word. And I was Still like, don't interregnum know is the time between kings uh, and all the nonsense that happens between. That's what we're seeing right now. Yeah. Interregnum. <sighs> Fucking nightmare. Yeah. I don't know. But Carly, you're you're very sanguine about it. I don't know Dan's opinion. What about Wednesday? Yeah, and just like I mean, I think there are it two me, competing views. Hmm? Yeah, it, it hit me super hard that day, and I don't, I don't have anything unique to say on the topic. I think that's my as far as this podcast goes. There's nothing I can say about 
um, the mob in the Capitol that Hasn't smarter people have said. not already said. You know, it's uh, I think it's just sad. It's sad that this amount of people have been able to get totally lied to and bamboozled and then it, it turned so deadly. Uh, it's completely predictable. I just feel like there are two yeah. competing um two competing kind of like viewpoints on 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 what happens next. And at first I was like, okay, good. This is the this is the exclamation point where you know, only absolute lunatic fringe will will stay with him and people will start disavowing him. And and like momentarily there was a moment there afterwards. And now like people are walking that shit back already. Oh, we need to we need to embrace healing. We need to, you know, do all this stuff. And and sure, we want to embrace healing, but like <laughs> You know, they let Hitler off pretty light the first time. Yeah, they're you know, the, you know the beer hall putsch or however you say that word, and then they were like, ah, you know, let's you know not to, and then they, they and then he, eleven is however many years later. I know, I know, can't all right, Carmen, but you have I mean, a different. If we have a new kind of year, to... we can kick off things in a positive way. I I don't know. I think well, do the, it then. Do the it. The new year should be the yeah. Okay, kick it off. I think Dan's point is right. I mean, what else can we say? It's not a political commentary podcast either. It's like, it's... I mean, all right, all right, all right. What do you want to talk about? Well, I think it is a funny thing to restart. I was just telling you, Dan, I mean, I, even though we had the, the book club, um, I feel like I haven't seen him in so long via Zoom for this. It's nice to see you guys in this setting again. Yeah. You guys are the same faces on for all i know you guys could be like figments of my imagination but you pop up <laughs> on my screen uh one two maybe three times a week and and we have a nice little chat and then i push it out into the world and maybe people listen to it this could all be a total uh i could be strapped to a chair in some loony bin right now um, <laughs> but this is... you know what i thought about the other what? day you have no idea what i look like and vice versa from the waist down <laughs> I've I've never thought about it that way. I've always thought of it from I have no idea how tall you are. That's oh. that's the thing that gets me six seven. <laughs> what did you say, George? Six foot seven. <laughs> have a guess, Dan. Like giant. It's really well. I was I was super wrong with um with someone else. I was um someone I watch on on YouTube. I always assumed they were relatively short, maybe five six. Five seven, they're a guy, so that would be mm. certainly below average. Turns out they're six foot three, and so that made me realize I have a terrible judge of what someone, the height that someone actually is, based on these little rectangular video mm -hmm. boxes. Um, so you could very well be four foot ten or um, <laughs> six foot two. I like the, I like or, that four foot ten is a. <laughs> any lower and i feel like it would start to um i don't know that's i feel like that's the short end of short uh, yes so i don't how, how tall are you i'm five foot three that's actually shorter than i i really would have expected i was somehow in my head i was like whenever we eventually get to do all this in person um you would show up and you'd carly be, will tower over me like uh, yeah 
Genuinely, I thought maybe you'd be like taller than George and it would just be that kind of like, oh, <laughs> now my perspective of you changes forever because now no, you're- I respect her. The lower half of my torso is a horse. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. That one got me. Your your game now has been to just say something so ridiculous that people don't expect it, but you say ridiculous things so often that there's like a tolerance. It's like we've you're a drug. We've snorted enough George that there's a certain amount of tolerance, but every so often there's just a huge just drop. That was a good one. It is funny. I listen to listen back on the podcast occasionally, and like I will just say just some crazy shit. And you guys just roll right over it. <laughs> it's just not even it's just yeah, okay. That's the but tolerance. Yeah. 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 You build totally. Up the tolerance. But you do tolerance. still trick us sometimes. Every once in a while. I noticed that you edited out the whole thing about Peter's um favorite band. Why'd you do that? Well, one because it came right at the end of the episode and it felt like a not neatly tied thing. And then it was like we're <laughs> we're talking about Peter's favorite band with like out saying hey peter can we talk about this band that no one really likes but you seem to which kind of puts your entire um musical judgment what was the band that i made up i don't remember what like in the mechanics oh that's a real band yeah it was a real no it was a real band i just can't remember which one it was that i was sisters oh no it was it was the the three princes the the um three princes the if you Cut this out again. What's the name of them? On Monday, but like, hey, we talked about you and that two princes, three princes band. One, can you confirm? We don't even have any confirmation for him. (laughs) You have a statement. (laughs) Do you have a statement? (laughs) I'll ask him to record something. Uh, (laughs) What's the name of that band? The two princes. I can't remember. But uh, you guys were just like. Quiet, and and the, I I so because like Peter Peter would be so knowing Peter as I do, he'd be just be like I could see his face. He would nod. He would just like because he too is a nerd to the George nonsense. He's been dealing with it longer than both of you all, mm-hmm. and he's like uh huh. You know, no, not my favorite band. In fact, I'd completely forgotten about this. <laughs> I, oh, fuck. I got to remember. The I name totally of that. believed you. And I still believed you up until just now. <laughs> I thought, I still, I'm not sure. Is you that actually you thought that, that was band? true? Yes, this I totally time? believed that that would be something random. Peter is a, he, he would have been a teenager in the 90s, I guess. Spin Doctors. <laughs> and Spin Doctors. Spin yes. Doctors, yes. Um, <laughs> And I could totally believe that he would have some weird nostalgic love for the spin doctors that would defy the quality of the mm-hmm. music. And it's just like, no, I just, I, at my eighth grade dance, they played spin doctors when Susie McHugh had my first looked at kiss. me from across the room. Yeah. Yes, you know, something yes. like that. And I will forever love that song. It's the, it's the reminiscence bump, whatever, whatever you fell in love with in eighth grade. You love forever, and Peter, as Carly said, he was it was the the uh, eighth <laughs> grade dance. Into this <laughs> as Car as Carly just just um, verified, it was eighth grade dance, and Peter, you know, growing up, he he brought little um, Susie Kanish to the dance, and they're swaying along to if you ba 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 ba, and Susie Kanish took Peter's little hand, 
And and Peter took Susie Kinnish's hand and they looked into each other's eyes. And they leaned in and there it was. And then forever, Peter's been chasing the dragon, <laughs> the spin doctor's dragon. Now I'm torn because I think this has been really funny, but I can't possibly publish this without sending it to Peter and being like, hey, can we? Is <laughs> this cool? <laughs> we didn't use your last name. <laughs> That's any consolation. Uh, I do worry, though, because like, I was driving, uh, driving Henry home last night, and, uh, and I don't know what we were talking about. Oh fuck! This is really important. Oh, he said um, he he was going on about how like if you just put "izzle," like "izzle" can mean anything, you know, mm-hmm. and and so you can just put that into any and it doesn't. And I said, oh, so faux shizzle my nizzle used to dribble down in VA, and he's like, what is that? I was like, oh, bah! And so I pulled up, you know, hove, and and played it for him, which is a great song. I don't know last time you guys listened to that, but it's a great song. And it's the Jackson Five thing, and pardon? It's been a minute. Yeah, it's been, since it's been a minute, but it's a good song, and like it, it actually like it, it ages really well. You can really like he he, and I've never been the biggest Jay Z fan in the world, um, just not for no qualitative reasons, just you know, but um, but like his phrasing on that is is so like Miles Davis jazz trumpeter, like just the way mm-hmm. he's so behind the beat. It's amazing. And, um, but then Henry's like, oh yeah, this is cool. Uh, it reminds me of this. And he's like, makes me pull up some like juice world track or whatever. Right. <laughs> and, and I'm like, you know, and I'm just psyched that my man is, is, you know, but it, it juice world and it's okay, you know, but like, that's going to be his, that's going to be like, like the spin doctors is to Peter as like what juice world will be. To like a lot of a lot of it's Henry's going in eighth grade. People like in like twenty years they're going to be like, oh, you know who's really great? Juice World. The way mm-hmm. Peter is with spin doctors. And I don't know, maybe Juice World is, but maybe not. You know, or was or whatever. But uh, you get stuck on that stuff, Carly. What what was, what's like your your emo girl? You're like yeah, totally. oh my chemical totally. romance. <laughs> It was mm-hmm. all like My Chemical Romance and, and Fall Yeah, Apple, Jimmy right? Eat World, Taking Back Sunday. Jimmy Eat World. Hell yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was my... Dashboard Confessional. Yeah. If I was yeah. feeling particularly emotional, sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, wasn't, I didn't do like the whole embodiment of, of emo. I didn't have the like green in my hair or like the apart from my nose ring. <clears throat> no snake I didn't bites. space then. my ears out or stuff mm-hmm. like that. But a lot of my friends did stuff. Like that, Dan, but I also would... always love rap. Yeah. So yeah. <clears throat> quite different, but but, no, but that's what Juice World is. As best I can tell, Juice World is emo rap. A lot of the new rap yep. is like, um, like the SoundCloud rappers are all like depressed, like yeah. little Xanax, little. It's weird. Right. It's emo rap. Yeah. It's, totally. It's, if, I think if that's dashboard a confessional. Grew up wherever as a, a, a person of color, this is what he would have made, right? I think that's what it is. It's more, sam- I was thinking of it more as, I know they're not always sampling stuff, although Juice World got in some trouble with Yellow Card, but there's, it's kind of sampling Ooh, that music. Back. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> but just like so much other, um, maybe more historic music has been sampled and then turned into something else in hip hop. It's, well, the, 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 the Hava is, is Jackson 5, right? I mean, sure. Yeah. But, I mean, my fa- I still say that the, the record, the, and Paul's Boutique for sure, 
but but at the same time, 1989 was three feet high and rising. And with the, with a sample from Peg, I mean, that totally, arguably, Steely Dan's kind of emo in their way. They're, you know, much more arch than that. But yeah, I, I love the, the. But where were you, Dan? You were you were you were more in the. But you said you came to Springsteen later. So like, what what was like your high school jams? Um. I mean, it wasn't really high school that I think it was late high school that like my music taste cemented or at least my um, emotion, the music I'm most emotionally attached to, like the damn Wells and Stephen Kellogg, right, 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 Mike right, Dutch, right. just kind of these uh, <clears throat> I feel pretty like, singer songwriters. Yeah. yeah, definitely Springsteen inspired. But I mean, I was I was into like Taking Back Sunday and all of the emo and pop punk bands in early high right. school and then as a guitar player i got into country music and sure um, sure, sure. so I kind of and then jazz of course so i kind of of course guitar just kind of made me go all over the place but but what like what do you feel so i have enough distance between my high school choices and now to like measure them and be like yeah you were right about this wrong about this um and obviously i was right about everything but um like carly do you feel when you look back on your high school love of the emo the sweet e um that that you it's defensible where you're like no i was right the music that that music still holds up i mean i could put on a taking back sunday album and and love it no i know you could but but would you put it on it and 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 love it from a nostalgic point of view or be like, no, this holds up, even if you're not. I think for sure Carabas. it would hold up. I think the times that oh, we've no. mentioned Jimmy Eat World, I think that their table for glasses is like, it's, and the Clarity album, I mean, it's still, I think that is still a great piece of music. But then I also, I mean, my high school was, it was split. It was like, I also very much, uh, I think the emo stuff for me came from, because I had friends at that time who were getting into music, starting bands, and that was the music that they played. I didn't have friends who were starting like hip hop groups or country bands. And maybe I would love that music more. It was like that. Those were the first shows that I went to was like pop punk bands. And it was a lot larger supporting friends. But then I also like loved Salt and Pepper and TLC Mm -hmm. and Aaliyah. And and I'd argue Salt and Pepper still holds up. Yeah, I can still sing most of their songs from that 1993 album. And I think that that's still great music. But I don't know. I think it's hard to separate. Is this nostalgia or is it great music when you have such a tie to it? I can. I mean, like, I can be, I can, I know that I was right about the Smiths, right about R.E.M., right about The Cure. I mean, history has, has deemed those to be. I was right, you know, and, 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 and it was super marginalized at the time. I was wrong about uh, Big Country, which is a band like you all wouldn't even know, right? But, but you know, so there were these bands that were of that era, too, that had their little moment. And it's like, mm, yeah, no, you know. So, and I think a lot of hip-hop's that way, too, right? Like, I was right about, you know, Public Enemy and KRS-One and, and the Beasties and all that stuff. I was probably wrong about the fat boys or something you know so yeah it's interesting though i feel like the the music i was maybe quote unquote wrong about is just the music that i've also forgotten like it doesn't come to mind when you ask what i was listening to i'm sure i listened to music then that i didn't continue because probably i was wrong about it but i can't even give an example the ones that i feel right about are the ones that i remember that i could still put on today in fact i know what i'm listening to this afternoon oh yeah i could 
all the butt rock stuff. What is so, butt rock? What is butt rock? <laughs> you guys know butt rock. <laughs> Come stop on, you like, right there. Like three doors down and like nickelback. Okay. It's called the- butt rock? That's one word for it. <laughs> I've never heard that. I'm Me super either. into it. Butt yeah. rock. I wish I had the reason it was So who else is rock? in butt rock and why is it called butt rock? Any of those like hard rock bands that weren't really hard rock. It was just kind of like Third Eye Blind. Puddle of Mud. No, Third Eye Blind. Puddle of Mud. Puddle of Mud is like one of my favorite band names of all time. Because you know those bros got together and they're like, okay, we need to come up with a name that really, really signifies our angst and our (laughs) anger or whatever. And one of them was like, how about Puddle of Mud? And somehow they were like, yep. That's it, puddle of mud. That's Do you think they it. That is with the puddle of blood, and then it was too dark, and they oh. went down to mud. They used I two like D's in like, mud. Like Avril Levin is April Levine. 11th. Oh, a good Canadian gal. See, I liked that because it was on heavy rotation, and I could like sing along. I don't think I sure. was. That wasn't Skater good boy. music. That wasn't Skater good music. Boy. <laughs> but puddle of mud is butt rock. Uh, yeah, butt rock. Rock. I've never heard uh, that. But I, I, I but, do want to defend Third Eye Blind because I think they're criminally, criminally underrated. Stephen Jenkins produced everything, wrote everything. That and that guy still puts out really good music. I think it's. Uh, it's is that closing time? Did they sing? No, closing that's time? Semisonic. Dan Wilson. But is that butt rock? No, that's too soft. Closing time. But da, 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 da. butt rock hit with that time when you know, like all mastering. If you looked at the waveform, it was just like one thick mm-hmm. line, like no dynamics. Yep, it was all. Uh, What's that just, dude's name? Um, the mixer guy, uh, Lord Algae, Chris and Tom yeah. Lord Algae, where they just pushed everything. Yep, and just layers Terrible. and layers of guitar, and it was very formulaic, right? And and not the and other music com- isn't formulaic. The f- compressed the fuck out of everything. Like yeah, I, I think all, that was a bad time for music. Yeah, but this is all just like very masculine. Very layered right. guitars. Yeah, totally. Very, it's it's like it's like you take what kind of Nirvana Pearl Jam started, yes. and then it's just like yes. you know, it's yes. all the frack guys. It that goes like, to oh, its logical like, like yes, I I totally have written yeah. about this a ton. Yeah, you get you get some innovator on the margin that does something really really interesting. And then the market smooths it off until mm-hmm. you eventually arrive at Nickelback. <laughs> yeah, and so that's Would Kid right. Rock be considered butt rock. Yeah, yeah, uh, he, he had some other things going. I don't think he was ever as um, just like straight up power chords and. Um, he's just right. horrible okay. in yeah. every he's, way. He's, he's just bad in a lot of other ways. In, that, in um, every possible way. Yeah. So oh, there's a funny Veep thing where Joker. Jonah references Kid Rock. <laughs> yeah, he likes Kid Rock. Of course he would. <laughs> <laughs> Jonah from Veep. <laughs> so, Dan, what would be your favorite Third Eye Blind, third eye blind song? Oh, Do you my have one Lord, that comes to mind? Oh, they put out a great album. I can't album think of a single song. In, um, in like 2015, I think. Um, That's later than I expected. Yeah, yeah. One of the songs is called Shipboard Cook. Oh, I need to find the album but the, it's okay it's but so what good. about during like that heyday literally all you guys give me shit they, about my nonsense and we're like taking up time on third eye fucking blind i genuinely don't think they had a bad album i think you could listen to all of them and they're they're good some of those songs go overplay like jumper i, I skip every time it comes yes. up right because it's the one. just um but blue and out of the vein which i think are their second and third albums we flip that order um those are both great. Uh, but I mean, their first album, Third Eye Blind, like Crystal Baller is a great song. Uh, 
I look forward to Googling these for the show notes and, li- and taking this this little trip down. Why, Stephen Jenkins is still putting out music. And it's, it's always just it's like been somebody... Do- Dopamine is the album that came out in 2015. That was great. And Ursa Major, which came out in 2011. That was great too. And it's just consistently original sounding music. It's, I don't, I never feel like it's derivative of someone else that did the same thing, but better. It's, yeah, and, and by Honest, all accounts, I hope you cut some of this nonsense out. I cannot, I mean, like, you can't be like, you know, my shit when I'm talking. like it. No, no, no. But it's like super specific. Like who? I mean, we keep Morgan, so much uh, of your super specific not, stuff. Well, Dan's Morgan was talking about to me about like some. Likes. I like it. I love that too. But like, we're getting into some real granularity on like the, the supersonic or third eye blind or whatever, which is fine. I, look, I love the granularity. Such Although going to supersonic, Dan Wilson has had an amazing career, right? And he just sold. All of his music, all of his publishing um, to Primary Wave. Who isn't? I mean, talk about a trend. Neil Young sold it. I mean, this this is getting. He did, no, from what I've read, and I actually do know some. What's the name of that band? Supersonic. I mean, there's one of them wrote a book. And as you all know, I will read any rock book that comes out, whether I like the music or not. And it was the story about, I I don't think it was, I think it was like the guitar player about his time in supersonic and it's it's a great story about just kind of the rise and the fall and the being chewed up alive by by the music business um but yeah i mean this sale of the publishing catalog stuff is good i mean it's, there's so many bubbles going around right now are they just so getting money why do you the think good? that's such a trend oh, sorry because uh, stevie nicks and then bob dylan and then and the other why. day why are they doing you know, it oh why it, it, because people are throwing crazy amounts of money at them because they are able to because of spotify you're able to to get predictability about royalties. So that mm-hmm. once you get predictability about any asset class, you can securitize it and bet on future value. And so all of these people, and particularly when you have market conditions as they are, people are looking for asset classes that are not the dollar, which is in the tank, um, not the stock market, because even though the stock market's going up, your money's depreciating because the dollar keeps going in the tank. And that's why Bitcoin's going crazy. And people are people are quantifying music publishing in the same way people are quantifying kind of Bitcoin as these stores of value that, that can be predictable. And also music is, as we've seen, is largely recession proof. So, you know, I mean, I don't think anybody can doubt that, that we're going to go into some crippling depression <clears throat> um, at some point soon. But music will continue to be, it's like booze. People will continue to listen to music. So these streaming services are largely protected by by depression and financial elements. And then they have to pay out to the songwriters. So if you are some, you know, somebody looking for yield, and you can't find it anywhere, you start seeing publishing assets as yield generating opportunities. And yeah, Neil Young, $150 million or whatever it was for half of his catalog. Um, and, and, you know, Dylan for, so it, it's, it, it's, it's the predictability of it. And, and I you're right, Dan, about, I mean, I'm giving him sort of shit, but that, that supersonic guy, he's written a lot of songs that just get played forever. And so when you get that, and then, then now is the time, right? The getting is good. It's a bubble, but the getting's a good right now. If you're a songwriter, you've got people just banging on your, on your door to, to securitize your catalog. Be careful. I mean, I would I would argue with songwriters that they should, unless the checks are astronomical, they should 100% keep their their writer share. I mean, I think Bob sold his writer share, which is very strange. But um, but keep your writer share and do everything you can to keep 
keep half of the publisher's share, which would, would make it a co-publishing deal. The problem with that is you're not going to get the massive valuations that these these other people are. So, but again, if, if somebody offers you a check for $100 million, you just fucking take it, right? Mm-hmm. But if somebody's offering you a check for 20000 or 30000 and they want these types of deals where they're taking 100% of your writer's share and, and all of your publisher's share, don't do it. It's, it, it, it's not the, 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 the return on investment is not worth it for you, no matter how crazy the extremes are. I think it's interesting to look, I mean, for me, this is my business. I have to look at durability of, of music and things that, that have that kind of evergreen nature and try to understand them. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, it's shifting because of, of the way people get exposed to music. But um, I think it's it's interesting to look back historically on the things that you were right or wrong about, whether it's art or food or whatever. And I've mm-hmm. said for a long time that, that great art, kind of is durable and it rewards yeah. scrutiny without demanding it and th- things you can live with for you all the things i think you're talking about are more nostalgic driven w- rather than saying okay this is is great art um that 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 other people will love and see later in time maybe 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 20 years 100 years from now people will unearth third eye blind or my chemical romance and go ah that you know in the same way people do dylan's early stuff i, I don't think know. it's been tough for most bands to have the same length of legacy that bands, you know, up to the nineties had, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, even it's Lindy effect. Right. I'm trying to think of bands, like even even bands that are like arena band. I mean, Foo Fighters will probably go on for forever, and their music will still be. And valuable. I think they're so fucking marginal. I think they're so like I don't I think, think Dave Grohl's it's great art. Foo Fighters, which is. Is that's what? definitely a nostalgia what? band. I mean, Dave Grohl is just kind of as a person or kind of a music icon. It's become bigger than the music that, um, which is fine. He seems like a lovely human, but yeah. but it, you know, it, it it's just. And again, I'm biased because I you can't compare him to Kurt Cobain. I just find their music so boring. I and I know people love them, and I don't. I don't think. 50 years from now 100 years from now people will absolutely go back to go back to bleach and and never mind and be like yeah this this is significant important music i don't see people going back to some random you know uh, foo fighters record and be, but maybe you know people love what's that you know i don't know you, i can be your hero or whatever it is my hero <laughs> <laughs> you think the uh enrique iglesias song i can be and maybe he'll have a lasting career um but it's true of books and 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 you know visual art and all these things like what what is that kind of qualitative um you know qual- i think it's quality like what is that what what actually has quality and what is quality and for me it it the job to be done is 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 durable like you 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 can receive some sort of reward for from the art over expansive periods of time irrespective of other kind of you know societal things it, you know it's just up until covid right i mean look at the legacy bands that were still touring i mean and that's that's got to be a huge accomplishment to be in your mm-hmm. you know mid 60s 70s still touring the fleetwood max the the Def leopards um bob dylan too bob dylan and rolling stones obviously even older than those guys that's i mean who can what bands that came out um you know, that Carly and I mentioned are still going to be able to keep on doing that. Mm-hmm. Right. And at what point did took a point? At what point did Fleetwood Mac go from they were a great band in this era to oh they're still doing it? I mean, I think I'm a Def Leppard fan, and so I'm aware that they had a moment where they 
definitely felt they like they put out trash and no one wanted to uh no one thought they would last right but now for sure they're they're going to keep on going until they die and they're printing money they every will. time they tour they will um, they will you reach a certain vestige i mean the jimmy buffett effect right where it's like <laughs> again people just want to gather with their tribe and reminisce see mm-hmm. i would argue like that the, the, the cure is is one of those like because they're more popular now like if they they could go do stadiums easy you know mm-hmm. and and it, it's more in, in the it wouldn't be like a jimmy buffett crowd where it, it you know if you go and thankfully i will never but if, if one forced me to go to a jimmy buffett show it would all be people that are my age and older you know white dudes or you go to a cure concert it's going to be youngins and mm-hmm. old people i mean it's it, it that's the transcendence thing same with dylan i mean to a certain degree it's 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 largely people that look like me but it's not all it's you know it's it, it, the dead fish right fish like when fish plays again it will not just be you know uh, venture capital, white venture capitalists. Yeah. There'll be hippies and, uh, you know. So I mean, Guns and Dolly Roses. Parton. Dolly Parton. I mean, Transcend, the, right. The Ramones, Transcend. right, even though obviously they're not going to tour. The Ramones! Right. Oh. Mm-hmm. Totally. They're so great. Wednesday night after that mania, I, I, I was just so lost. And as always, when I'm lost, I turn to, to art or whatever. And I, I found some, some some Ramon show from London. And it was like they were at the top of their game. It must have been 77 or, or 78. And I just watched it. And it made me feel so good. And it just starts with Joey going, go, did that. Didi goes, what did they You know, and, and uh, what does he say? Hit it, did it. And it, oh, it's so fucking great. I can't like, make that out. Hit it, Didi. Because like Didi oh. would always, Didi always counts in. But Joey stands up there and he says it in the funniest way. Like I need to find that moment. I think it's it's. It, I think it was their first tour of London, and Joey's just standing up there looking like Joey. Goes, hit it, da da. Which is not the way anybody says Didi. You know, and the Didi. And uh, oh, it's so great. And for for an hour and a half, or they don't play for an hour and a half. For an hour, I just watch, and every song is great. They are so great, and it, it could, as you say, Dan, that could be any time. And and but they weren't loved. At the, I don't know. Their legacy just grows. Yeah. Well, and some people. But man, did it make me feel better. Man, did it yeah. did it like. And I don't know what else would after that mania. You know. <laughs> I think some artists become nearly like uh, museum exhibits in a way, where you know what you're going to see is not the best of them, but you just have to go see them because you might not be able to later like i've seen buddy guy hubert someone right. they were right. not hubert someone was on oxygen when i saw him yeah uh, he yep. played for yep. like 30 yep. minutes buddy guy could not get through a song because he got like bored playing the songs he'd just be like all right i'm done with this don't one, play play the next yeah, one i don't want to play it anymore but, but you're right like i think there's something i'm oh, sorry go ahead no it's just it's go because you're not going to get another chance to and they it's not about that performance it's about the I guess the legacy of their career, whereas some of the '80s bands, it's still about the show and it's about sure the fun they're gonna. But have that's there. the mirror of desire thing. I mean, it's like there there are certain artists, and you're you're absolutely right. Like where where they've reached their their moment, and and they're just physically or mentally not able to to do what they once did. Um, but you need to go. One needs to go. I need to go because I need to reflect that mirror back at me. And be part of that for a moment. That's that's me being me going to see. I had a, a, a great honor of introducing BB King one time in Mississippi, where at where uh, what's the town that's where, cool. where um, 
oh fuck, where where uh, Robert Johnson sold his 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 you know soul to the devil at the crossroads uh, in Mississippi, and um, Lockwood or something. It, and it is man, I need to write like talk, Kate's writing his stories. That was one of the strangest, most surreal experiences I ever had. We had we had we had bought the name to the King Biscuit Flower Hour, which you know was a really important radio show. And um, the guy that owned the company decided to give it back to the town, which was a, a lovely gesture. And I got tasked with going down, and they were having this event. I'm super embarrassed; I can't remember the name of the town. I want to say Locksburg or something. But um, and and got to got to stand up in front of this crowd and say, "Okay, we're giving the King Biscuit Flower Hour back, ladies and gentlemen, BB King." You know, and and it was just like hugely surreal. The most wretching part about it was. You know, it, it this town is was a it just looked like a war zone. I mean, it was it was the most uh, economically depressed. T- it, it, there's nothing there, and you know, and so I I drove I think from New Orleans, to, and it was just like going, I don't know. And you have this great art, like arguably all rock and roll, American rock and roll kind of f- form there, and it's just nothing there, and. It is some kind of well. There were things there. There were there were uh, you know uh, oil uh, cans burning in the streets, and, and you know I mean it was just it was super mad Mad Max post apocalyptic. But then you had this great art at the same time, and, and and yeah, he wasn't he wasn't yeah he was near death at that point I think. But um, but it was still like that mirror is like yeah, this is where I belong, right? This is where I'm supposed to be, and I think we we go to some of those shows because it's you're paying respect, right? You're you're paying yeah. people go to see paintings and and churches which i'll never understand but but some of us go to pay our respect and homage to these great artists because it it ratifies who we are we're part of that 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 continuum and it's Mm -hmm. not about how how good they are at that point and i think it's important i encourage people to go see bob you know when this comes back he's not going to be here forever and i think people that that had the chance and didn't um will regret it yeah that's so how I feel about Les Paul. My dad and I always used to say, oh, yeah. we're going to go see Les Paul one of these weeks because he played every single week in New York. And I grew up in New Jersey, and we're like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll just do it one of these days. And No, no you won't. Then, Les nope. fucking Paul. Yeah. yeah, Sonny Rollins. I mean, he's still alive. But, um, I don't know if he's playing anymore. You wrote a, a great piece. I'm I owe I owe Joseph fifty dollars. This is I think the first way I just couldn't between this the events of the week trying to get back into the swing of things and I just I just didn't have it in me this week to, to write something. I did go back and reread some of the stuff, but uh, but Dan, your piece looks amazing. I uh, thank you. I wouldn't call it amazing. Th- this one felt well. Just the topic top. so important. It's super right? comprehensive yeah. too. The topic is important. Well, there's so many like merch. I think is one of the most common things for indie music blog, like the hype bots of the world. Like if you follow Hypebot, mm-hmm. just about every week there's mm-hmm. probably someone writing about merch, right? And it's it's it feels overdone, but I felt like we needed a a reference piece just to point to and say these are all the different things you need to consider. These are like processing fees and e-commerce hosting things that maybe get a little bit less talk about versus you know, mm-hmm. what size T-shirts should you order uh, is less exciting to me. Um, but what I like about it, and I've only just started reading, it, but but it's it's you're building your own mind map or roam map or whatever the note-taking device of du jour is, um, mm-hmm. and it's like 
you're you're putting all of these awesome elements together and I'm looking forward to you kind of connecting the through lines. Like there's there's a direct connection between the remote musician's hand guide and this article, right? And so it's this That's growing exactly repository right. of knowledge that has your particular vantage point on it rather than just a bunch of ad hoc collection of things that doesn't have that through line. I think you need that through line. Yeah, and so I wrote it because the original advertising for musicians article that I wrote, which is now part three and not published yet is about <laughs> generating ROI from advertisement. And you can't, you know, merch is the way artists and a lot of creatives are going to be able to run ads that are actually profitable, but you have to understand what your margins are. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that's really this, this article is about margins and merch more than anything else. But um, please teach people what cost of goods sold means. You know, I mean, <laughs> one of the things that, that, well, I'm serious. So like, like, and you hear me do this all the time on calls when I'm, I'm talking to young entrepreneurs and they, they don't understand margins. They don't understand net margin versus gross margin. They don't understand cost of goods sold. And mostly they don't understand opportunity cost. They don't understand that there's a cost attached to the time that you're spending on this thing that you could be spending on something else. So you damn well better pick something that has decent margins and yeah. people i mean that that was the whole point of my that 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 start here article the, the touch margin matrix like if you get that wrong at the beginning there's not much you're going to be able to do to recover mm -hmm. yeah I mean, the the more exciting piece that i wrote which i, I don't remember if i ever shared on this podcast because i wrote it right at the end of last year maybe we didn't do our what did we write this week but i wrote a 11 page article on retargeting and how ah. that works um is that live is it published no I'm I, I sent over slack as a google doc i had joseph read it last week just to go through Oof. it and make sure it's good but it's that's like a mammoth of a piece and i have to decide how i want to publish that it's kind of hard to break up but it's it's my kind of like definitive guide to step two of advertising once you have awareness how do you get more impressions with the audience and actually measure whether these people are <laughs> becoming fans or not or if they're you got to get that out there brother yeah, yeah. and know. and i mean i feel like you know we're behind and i know we're redesigning the site and stuff but like the last article that's of mine that's up there is not the last article that i've written there's no, quite a few two, there's at least four or five are there at least four or five i thought there was two i thought maybe there was four. The two trophies maybe just two ones. i don't know i said because I, I did and, and this was somewhat gratifying i i did a, a talk um with some young entrepreneurs that were looking for for a young company looking for funding and I just found myself saying all these things. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to send you some links, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, and I just, I cut and pasted all the links to the article. Some of you guys is some of mine and just said, just read these, which is, the, the, I mean, that's the joy of this podcast. It finally gets these thoughts into some concretized thing. I'm not saying they're any good or whatever, but at least I don't have to say them over and over again. It's just like, read this, take from it what you will, you know? Uh, yeah. We've got two trough despairs. I just, I held off on posting those over the holidays. So we'll, we will get those <laughs> We hadn't yet reached the trough of despair. Sadly, I don't think we have yet. Um, yeah, we got some good stuff coming. Carly, what are you working on? Well, <clears throat> I've been quiet for a while. <laughs> <laughs> um, as I was telling you at the beginning, I like completely disconnected for the holidays from work stuff. And then it was uh, quite intense getting back into it week one. So I... I was thinking before this podcast too, I'm going to tell you guys less about the things that I'm going to do because so often I'm like, oh, I'm working on this thing and it's 90% done. And then it's like a month later, it actually appears on the site. But I actually don't have anything 
um, new yet. I need to get back into the the groove. And this is good that we're having the first podcast again, starting these discussions. Mm. So, I, because to be honest, I just kind of like turned that part of my brain off because I wanted to. Let me ask you this, um, because I, I, you guys made it clear to me that that me just writing articles for Forbes or whatever does not qualify as output for the site, and I get that. But like, I, I did manage to grind out the introduction to my the, to the book on Sweetwater, and and I like it, and and it, you know, I'm gonna have to really, really, really knuckle myself down and just start writing, you know keep you know every week turning shit out that doesn't but i can't put it up on ena because you know but that doesn't count i think it's gotta be a there's some expectation of you only have so many hours in a day so if you're writing stuff for sweetwater and forbes one week it's you know understood but we also need to keep on putting out content as ENA, ENA right. just to keep things but going. i want so okay so here's where i'm at in, in transparency land like i either it's this group or other people in the ENA community or whatever. And I think it's true of all of our work. I think we need, we need other sets of eyes on it, objective eyes. Cause I do think that I, we, whatever are not that far away from several kind of books kind of being put and the pieces coming together, but I'd love to get other feedback on that or make it, maybe this is part of the website redesign, but like, I love, I thought the year ended on a really awesome note with, in the book club where, where Mark said that, you know, his, he, Mark Cates talked about how this, the ENA community really pushed him to get his draft done for his book. And, and I think, I believe that I believe that, and he said it, it wouldn't have happened, but for this, you know, and, and, that's great and if if we can scale that out so that it's more people that are doing that like we'll really have something but i, I think we I should think, think it was about the how book, we can though i think it was the artist's way oh i'm not saying it was us i'm just saying but but he wouldn't have read the artist's way had that's you true. not chosen but i for think the book that it was the so, book and julia cameron's kind of like of course approach I'm, I'm, not taking and credit for it. I'm just saying that it's sure but but it, that wasn't what drove me but this community that I mean, I love that book or whatever, but it 100 percent was not what prompted me to write my shit. It was other things about this. But it's group. all part of the so EA yeah. kind of purpose. Exactly. So I'm not trying to take credit for anything, but I know personally that I would not ever have had the output that I've had had I not had the accountability side of this. And I thought it was great to see Mark, whether it was had nothing to do with us, but he wouldn't have read that book True. but for so that's all I'm saying. Yeah. And I think that'll be true of other things. Like I was talking to uh, uh, one of one of the people that came to the book club, Derek, my student, and and he he's like, you know, I I finished Range. Um, I hadn't read it during the club, but I showed up, but I finished over how it changed my life. And he was using mm-hmm. things like because he was talking about he was he called me up about like. Um, He's managing some band. He needed some advice. And I was like, well, are you managing them? And, and he's like, well, I'm in that sampling stage. And I thought, how fucking great. He's he's taking, he's ingested that. Mm-hmm. Again, d- we didn't write that book. Dan yeah. was smart enough to recommend it. But I can promise you that that um, Derek would not have read that book had it not been for this thing. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Well, I think That's we've already great. been That's- discussing that. Like the book club maybe is the wrong word for this and I think that's what you're saying as well that like it's not necessarily about the books that we're reading that you have to read along with us but it's the community that we're building around it yes 
And, and, yes. And, and so what I want to do is foment that. I want more of that, okay, you know, get get some flywheel thing going where it's like, okay, so Derek or Mark, like Mark's book or your, like, I, I want I want to have a feedback loop for the work that we're doing and others in this community are doing because that's so necessary. Like to keep mm-hmm. you inspired, you need that that encouragement. You need people to go, you know, this was really good, or I like this part, but not so much this part. And, and man, if we can foment that, that's a that's a great community. Yeah, but no, part. I have no delusion that it's I, I having any influence over anything. You're the inspiration. He's gonna. You can You're my forward. inspiration. Um, but I think there this applies to more than just ENA. Any business or artist that. Uh, is providing the infrastructure for a community. You've got those multiple levels. And as far as this, our Slack community and book club goes, it's that's total bottom of the funnel. The people that are there are either, were either close to us initially or just kind of one step removed and this was their way to get in. So it's a long journey so, from, it's a uh, long journey from like top of the funnel to someone coming across ENA and joining the book club versus other people in the book club inviting their friends. Yeah. And that's that's the fastest way to building that substantially because otherwise and we need to build out the other parts of the funnel more aggressively. But um, that's the only way that feedback loop comes or every piece of content, every article that rather than one article a week, it's you know, one article every other week. And then the other weeks you have to be coming up with some form of derivative content that gets that one article out there uh, more aggressively through video or some social piece or whatever um, that kind of builds on that. And it's going to help drive traffic mm-hmm. to that article. I couldn't agree more, but, but when you have that bottom of funnel thing where people, the people, however they got there that are, that are actually engaging, those are your passionate percentile. We now have a case study in in Mark, right, where where we can say this is someone who, by his own admission, would not have finished this book but for this this community. That's a case study to get other people that don't have the kind of direct connection to to us, but might to Mark or to someone in his sphere mm-hmm. to then. And that's the that's what Gladwell talks about with the loose ties, um, where if and this is our. our architecture participation where if we facilitate it for mark to to go make others in his sphere aware that this was a net positive they're going to trust him they won't trust us they don't know us we you know we'll never reach them but they'll trust him and then they now we've got an actual case study to say well this happened because of this thing some percentage of his sphere will go i want that too and that's how things grow and 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 we have to think of pardon hosting hosting mark for a uh, a talk or something when the book comes out it, exactly like mm-hmm. well a case study right i mean call it what we will but but that's what it is and and then empowering him to share out what you know in a way to his his sphere and the most passionate percentile in there and some percentage of them will go ha that sounds like me right yeah. and and so we we are eating our own dog food this is exactly what we say to every every company with whom we work um but i think we we should do it because it, it you know i always say those most passionate percentile will self-identify that's what's happened now it's on us to empower them totally tres cositas 
the first Primero Cositos del Nuevo Año. For our Spanish community. Hola, ¿qué tal? Ahora, tres cositos por el Año Nuevo. Gracias, gracias. Barcelona. You're getting ready to return to Mexico. Sí, sí. Mucho gusto. I was doing Duolingo and then totally dropped that. What? You were. Well, because this actually this time last year, George and I were in Mexico. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I got to learn Spanish because at the time it seemed like doing more of those things um, in in Mexico or surrounding countries was a likelihood. Um, And I could not speak to anyone there without the help of our wonderful translator, Me. Joanna. I was your translator. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I actually I talked to uh, Zoe and I exchanged uh, a happy new year message she's like can't wait to get back to that so, yeah. awesome yeah they're great great great, yeah. great. Um, who wants to go first fourth do you think not me because I'm trying to find it because my bear app which I love is just it won't sync and I've, I've been in touch with the really? people but it, I'm really really starting to get frustrated because now I get all these duplicates and stuff and it just it it, it it frustrates its purpose. Ugh, so many conflicted things. Well, I can Somebody go. It's George is fighting with it. Bear. That's so w- one of the things that I'm... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Carlissima. Go. Um, I need more podcast recommendations. So I'm hoping that you guys what? will be able to give me some soon. But I did discover a new one, which I'm really, really liking. Uh, Stephen Levitt has a new podcast, People I Mostly Admire, and he wrote Freakonomics with Stephen Debner, and he's on Freakonomics sometimes. But he has his own podcast now. It's, on. It's I think, like, from the same... I think it even says actually a Freakonomics production. Um, and there was an episode on Freakonomics that I haven't seen on his feed that had like little pieces of, of different interviews, which was um, how I heard of it. And it's a nice kind of soft introduction to the podcast because it has little clips of different interviews. But when I started listening to it, I started with the Paul Romer one, whom I've actually interviewed as well. He won the Nobel Prize um, in economics. And it's a really good episode. Paul Romer is, I think, probably one of the more interesting um, Nobel laureates just because he's he has long since challenged like what actually has a place in economics and he's the person that brought in the idea that ideas actually should be a part of a country's gdp that you can't only evaluate things like how much money or import exports like the the actual um these centers of ideation like universities and colleges and like how many patents are filed that actually is a signifier of an economy's strength but they also had a really um interesting conversation about quitting, which reminded me of some of our conversations because Paul Romer, Stephen Levitt says like, you're, um, I can't remember how he says that exactly, but he says something along the lines of like, he's a prolific quitter because he's quit a lot of things, a lot of jobs, a lot of kind of directions that he's taken. And um, while Romer says he wouldn't quite put it like that in your face, he had a really nice quote about 
when he has quit or why, when you know it's time to quit. And he said, there's always something else you can do. So if you reach a roadblock, and especially if you feel like your notion of right and wrong is going to require a compromise to continue, just go do something else. And I think that that is a really beautiful uh, way to look at it. And so anyways, it, that's a nice quote from a can great episode. I would love to, because I always say when I'm teaching ethics, I always say to, to people, when you confront an unethical situation, you have two choices, become unethical yourself or leave. But to have like that, that layer, you can, what what was that line that you said? A moment There's ago? always like, something we, else you can, you can all, do. But, but before that, what was the predicate? So this is the quote. There's always something else you can do. If you reach a roadblock, and especially if you feel like your notion of right and wrong is going to require a compromise that. to continue just go do something else. And I thought that was that, really beautiful. That's what I need. Yeah. And like he was the fam- notion of right or wrong. Yeah. He was famously um, hired as the chief economist. I wonder if they at the IMF. I might be misspeaking here. And the whole reason that they brought him on is they wanted to change. Um, they wanted to make some changes to like their research and how they were approaching certain things and everything that he was trying to implement was rejected. And so he found a way to get himself fired. He was like, they actually don't want this. This isn't the right place for me. And that's like the most coveted job for any economist being the chief economist at the IMF. If I'm misspeaking, I'll obviously correct myself. But so I just thought that that was also interesting. Like you can get your quote unquote dream job, but it's still okay to quit. So anyways, I think the People I mostly admire, I'm not sure why mostly is included in that title, but I look forward to finding out. Um, It's been really great. And it's just that same kind of like interview, casual conversation. But for me, obviously, the economics part is something I keep coming back to. And then I have a a quick question about your podcast habits. Pardon me? I heard some. I have a quick question about your podcast habits because I heard something recently that made me doubt whether I am a normal podcast listener or not. Do you do you subscribe to podcasts and listen to each episode weekly or do you search topics and guests that are of interest to you and listen to those as kind of one offs in the podcast? No, I subscribe and listen recently and listen on a weekly basis. However, sometimes, you know, in the Apple podcast, it will have like episodes you may like. I have listened to specific episodes in that recommendation section and that has led me to podcasts but normally i just subscribe right away and then let it appear in my feed and actually give it a go but why what do you do i'm I'm with you no i do the same thing but apparently that is not what most people do most Hmm. most people use search and find single episodes that they're interested in and generally don't subscribe especially on spotify because the way spotify is built it's a lot more based on topic and searching for what you're interested in rather than actually following a certain um interesting podcast so which changes in my mind it changes the way you market podcasts a lot there's a lot of suddenly like the importance of seo and what you title an episode is a lot more important than sometimes even the content in it because if you if it's a stream of getting the most people listening from like so you can sell ads uh, which obviously we are not doing or even close to doing. Um, but you just need the best episode titles. And that's what's going right. to get people to click. And obviously you need it's to like articles. So people come. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it was, um, I just didn't realize that that was 
the the status quo you know that's what i wonder do. if that is different or that's something more specific to spotify though because of the layout whereas apple Maybe. Podcasts, i feel like it does push you towards the subscribe apple Podcasts, anyways yeah and the feed that you pull up on apple Podcasts is usually your listen now i think which is the, yeah but it will it will also like the recommendations are shows it's not individual episodes they do have the, the recommendations if you're in suck if you're in your own feed, then it will have like episodes you may like. But if you're doing a search, it just shows you the shows. It doesn't extract individual episodes. Mm-hmm. Unless maybe you are looking for a person or a keyword type of thing. Yeah, It's interesting. Have you guys heard of this podcast, Morgan, whoever was telling me about it? it, it it's two comedians and they they rewatched um, the Adam Sandler movie, um, Grown Ups is that an Adam Sandler movie? Mm-hmm. Grown Ups, mm-hmm. but they watch. I guess there are two of them, Grown Ups two, and they rewatch it like thirty five times, and then they do a podcast only discussing Grown Ups two, and they get it. And she says it's absolutely hysterical. It sounds like something I would love. So I, it, it, I think it's pretty popular. I can't remember what it's called, but like if you're looking for something, that seems almost kind of like your humor too, Carly. So I'm gonna try to find it if I do. But yeah, I'm surprised you guys don't know about it. I've never heard of it, but I, I mean, this sounds like horrible research <laughs> watching those movies. Well, that's the times. point. Like they have to, they, yeah. then they, she's telling me like they have to like, what, what was the moment that you, you found to be the most profound and like, and like they have to answer it seriously. And they've watched it so many times. They say shit like, well, it's seen whatever one of the extras faces. They have a, you know, <laughs> it's like, yeah. I don't know. It, it reminded me of, of, so my dad wrote a porn, like where it's just like, they're just yes. looking at, at that Classic. shit in such it's a detail level of detail that it doesn't deserve, but then it becomes funny. Because- okay. But that one's different because his dad wrote a porno so he has to read his no i know but they're still looking at yes it's great the whole thing about it and they're like doing character dissection and yeah of course right right on something just objectively doesn't deserve it like i mean it's it's (laughs) hysterical and the same way that like adam sandler's home alone 2 or whatever the movie's called does not deserve a deep dive into you know the exegesis of every line but when you do it becomes funny yeah that i will definitely look for that um, all right. So my number two is a show that I've been watching a lot and it's been a surprising, it's something that I really rejected, but, um, there's also this new thing in Canada called stack TV. So all of these shows are available on Amazon that weren't like the food network Saturday night live, a lot of things that you just like could not get in Canada easily or on a streaming service, um, are suddenly there. And Guys grocery games. <laughs> I know. But what whereas I think Diners, Drive-Ins and Dives is just like a classic food network show that goes mm-hmm. around and shows I love that approach though. It's like just like the mom and pop places around the country, the pe- the places that people like truly love, they're really important parts of the community. Is it like amazing food? Probably not. It's it's normally obviously really heavy but his approach with gut with guys grocery games i was watching one last night and actually he was bringing in people from it was like triple d meets triple g and i do think that his whole character is a little bit just like over the top but this show i think yeah okay it's all i know is that guy must get so much pussy (laughs) just so much money i don't (laughs) 
both. But he's actually really funny. And the thing that I think has endeared me to him is just like, he's not just, he's not just playing a character for clout. He genuinely cares about like restaurants and their chefs and what it means to the community and them as a business. I think we mentioned this podcast, how he's raised like an insane amount of money for restaurant employees during COVID, like during this time where it's been closed. I can't remember the exact, but it's like, in the millions and he's provided these people directly with the funds to keep themselves afloat while whereas the government has completely dropped the ball particularly on restaurant workers he just brings such a likability this show is making me a fan of his and i have long since like watched triple d was just like oh this guy is a nut and like he was often the worst part of it but i liked the restaurants I don't know. I think this whole year has changed my perception of him, but it's, I love cooking shows. I love cooking competition shows in particular. It's super fun. He's funny too. I don't know. It's, I know I'm saying this also, I can't believe it, but I think I'm officially converted. George's face is one of just pure disdain. Guy Fieti. But. Dude has Watch. a Q rating probably that's off the chart. People love him. Look, I I I I unabashedly put on the triple D, you know, and because mm-hmm. ah, fuck, I, I don't want to talk about Guy Fieri anymore. You didn't want to talk about politics or whatever. That's fine. But um, how long? How much? I mean, it's like the Guy Fieri podcast, Guy Fieri fan 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 cast. Oh, anytime that George isn't speaking, it's too much time. Okay, I'll move on to my third thing. So my third thing. Oh, let's try. It's true. I love this. This, this is um, why we need you here. We need the the balance, yeah. the the equalizer. Exactly. Um. Well, you probably will hate this one too, but I don't care. The third thing is not something that is replicable at all. But is it I also am, Guy Fieri? No, I'm back at um, I'm back in Canada at my papa's house, and my dad is my third thing of my three things. Oh. I've had to stop myself several times over this past year and just like let it sink in. What an amazing support system I have with this person, and like the support system that he is as one man to me and how lucky I am to have the relationship that I do with him and being <clears throat> back here again and and entering this new year that feels like it will be better but probably as murky in a lot of ways as 2020 I just feel really really incredibly lucky and um the only thing that I could maybe use this to share is like call your dad when you hear this just message or call your dad because i don't know i know i really lucked out with mine but he's my third thing of the week that's a good one who wants to go next dan you look ready mine are not exciting enough to be headline three things <laughs> uh but you're, I, you're the cream filling i'm the cream filling yep <laughs> Speaking of cream filling, actually, I, I want school. to go back to. Uh, <laughs> I want to go back things that we loved as um, adolescents that are that no longer hold up. Zebra cakes, you know what I'm talking about? It's no. a little no, I Debbie. Not have any idea what a zebra cake is? It's like it's it's two cake layers with cream in the middle, and then it's covered in this white icing with. Zebra you are the cream filling. It. I like to think so, um, but those do not. St- those are just straight sugar. I thought they were amazing. They were 25 cents in elementary school. I'd take my little quarter and I'd give it to the lunch lady and she'd give me a single zebra cake. And um, 
best part of the day. And now it's it's like eating a pixie stick or something. Um, <laughs> pure sugar. It's pure sugar. <laughs> I remember ah! having a smoother overall texture and more of like a melt in your mouth kind of thing. But it Well, you should up. see if it's still made the same way. A lot of t- I mean, back in That's the, whatever, the 80s, they it's may totally have been possible. just using pure ass, you know, chemicals. And now I mean, it wasn't the knows. 80s when I was getting these. <laughs> um, but regardless, I just wanted to bring that up because I was shout out to um, the zebra cakes that we lost over the years. <laughs> That's a thing. That's one of your three things. Just some no, random. No, confection? no I, it, I thought of it, no, and I, I just oh, I had to bring it up. Oh, to, okay, yeah, okay. Now, um, all right. So first, I like is actually Twinkies. Two two podcast episodes that I liked, in spite of what I thought. I kind of I hate listened to the first one, um, and I similar to Carly, I was kind of turned around in some ways. Um, so it was how I built this had Tim Ferriss mm-hmm. on, and I mm-hmm. thought oh, this should be good. Um, mm-hmm the guy that hawks supplements all the time on his own podcast um but it i mean the guy's clearly a public figure and knows how to do a pr job but it it came across it it humanized him pretty well um and i i understood him um that i didn't just from listening to a few of his podcast episodes um and so i i still wouldn't call myself a fan by any means but i'm not like oh he's another um uh, what's that? The podcast Joe Rogan. Joe, he's not another Joe Rogan. I think there's there's more depth to him than Joe Rogan. Yeah. Is he the four hour work week guy? Yes. yes. And, okay, and that's he, what he. Okay, he, I wasn't he, sure. He clearly has a difficult relationship with that book. Um, I don't think he necessarily disagrees with it, but it, it's not. Um, I think it's too easy to say he's the four hour work week guy. Uh, I just wasn't. Sure. I wasn't the sure. The for Titans book too, which I I found more. I mean, I have yep. less problems with where he just interviewed a lot of people. I thought that was well, cool. and that's really built off his podcast because it's, it's just him interviewing. Uh, but so then I looked up his podcast because I hadn't checked in to see what guests he had in in a long time, and he just did one with Jerry Seinfeld. Mm. Um, and so Seinfeld was interesting because, like the entire thing he talks about, it's it's it was totally Meditation. the. He does talk about meditation, but he, he talks a lot about um, the whole motivation is a myth thing. It's just about <laughs> putting in the hours and you will you will get better at your art. You will develop something. But there is no such thing as a sudden strike of inspiration and you create some genius. It's totally he has built a process that he follows every single day, includes motivation, includes resistance training and all this stuff that he thinks helps. But he also sits down for two hours every day and just writes and then just like the morning pages, he doesn't look at it that day. I mean, he, hmm. he does end up going back to look at it later. But that day is just purely get it out because he has to. And then later he'll go back and check in on it. So it's um, that cool. was useful to me in some sense, saying that even if I feel like I don't have something to write about or, or whatever, I don't have something to create, just the fact of, you know, trying to write something, trying to pick up a guitar and play something like that does push you along some way even if it feels frustrating at the time um Hmm. all right my number two thing is pick up music which is a platform i've subscribed to for a while it's just a bunch of guitar players playing their thing and with tabs and instructional videos and they're all insanely good and i was stayed up late last night getting my neo soul chops up and i think it's such a 
great deal. It's like six bucks a month and all these really fun. They basically find all the guitar influencers on Instagram ah. and say, hey, would you do a, a little lesson for us? And they put it on the site. And it's cool. great because it's all these. That's just, really cool. Yeah. Insanely talented, relatively, I don't say unknown because they are guitar. You know, they get 10,000 views or whatever on every video, but it gives them a way to make some money. And then a lot of these I was gonna guys say, go so some of it, Some stuff. of the money goes back to them. Yeah, that's my understanding. Uh, and then the guy, that, I mean, that's it's his story as well. He was just a guy that got a lot of views playing guitar on Instagram, and he thought I could build a platform around this, and it's a great deal. So Neo Soul, what, what like, what do you mean? I mean, I know what it is generally, but like, what, 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 like, what is? is um, so this one like, was a song. Pull it up. It's a uh, this German dude, Simon Kempner, who did kind of a lo-fi hip hop beat, and and did some. Uh, triad soulful writing over it and cool. it's just a lot of fun it's a lot of stuff that i haven't played in a while uh so it mm. felt fun to kind of cool. get my chops back up um and then my last one is zane carney who i've been following a lot closer over the holidays because that's more time he streams on twitch four times a week um doing music theory lessons because he broke his finger so he doesn't play guitar as much right now um but I'm on his Patreon where he'll do his music lessons on Twitch and then he writes out sheet music um, on his iPad as he does it, explaining people will comment a song and he'll just listen to it for the first time. He's got really great relative pitch. And so he'll just say, oh, they're doing the the one to the minor three and then there's a subdominant. And it's I don't know how he does that without ever like touching his guitar. He just hears it and picks it up. And so that's been fun to watch. And he's putting out his first jazz single this friday hmm. um and it's uh as a patron on his patreon i gotta listen to the whole album and it's really great it's just really it's it's jazz but with a lot of more modern sounds and i think he's i think he's just still and it's he's totally doing the artist as a media company thing he's on twitch nice. he's got a subscription mm -hmm. platform um he he gets it that's cool george all right um so my first one um, this just was floating around on Twitter and you know how Twitter like go have the preview of, of the, the video and, and it's this guy. And like, if you just looked at him, you'd think he was like a, a proud boy or something. And he's got the baseball cap on or whatever. And his name is, is Corey, the buttercut buttercream dream forester. <laughs> and Dan's um, nodding I along with a yeah. smile. <laughs> I watched the video and I think he summed up better, and he's some southern dude um, summed up. But he's wearing what gives it away is he, he's wearing a Sturgill T-shirt. So you know, you know, if you're wearing a Sturgill T-shirt, but um, but he summed up better than any pontificator, anyone I've heard, just the frustration and the cognitive dissonance. And I, I shall quote, and he's just screaming, screaming into a video in a, in a pretty <laughs> hard southern drawl, and he says, "Take our country back from what?" What are you so upset about? What has anyone ever done to you, you entitled piece of shit? What? Want people to not be sick? Is this what you can't stand? Is it health care? Is it still with fucking guns? You said Obama was taking them eight fucking years ago. What is it? What is it that this country hasn't fucking given you? What is it that this fucking country doesn't give you that you think that you have to do some bullshit like this? But when you see a black person actually get shot, no gun in their hands, quote, oh, they should just comply. Fuck you, fucking cowards. And it, it really resonated with me. What do they 
want. Say it. Tell me. Tell me what you want. And I, for the life of me, I can't. What is it you want? What is it you have that don't have that you want? It's it's out of control. My second thing, um, um, I found I've been trying forever, literally for probably since I started cooking with any degree of seriousness when I was in my twenties, trying to replicate the deliciousness that is Indian food that you get at the Indian food restaurant at home. And I had convinced myself, convinced myself as I do, that it was impossible. That 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 you either were lacking the the correct spices or that you didn't want to do it because cooking Indian or eating Indian food from a restaurant was so fucking unhealthy that it needed to be a guilty pleasure. And absent an, a, a tremendous amount of oil and butter and cream, you couldn't get the taste. And so don't bother. And it's like one of those cuisines where, and I think there are some of those where it's just, it's just not worth it. It's just not worth it to try to make it at home. But somehow or another, I stumbled upon some blog <laughs> called Swashti's Recipes Blog. And it, it, it the URL is in, in www.indianhealthyrecipes.com. And, and so I was like, oh. it's amazing. In the past <laughs> three days, I have gotten myself from zero. Like, you know, I don't know how to cook Indian food. I've tried. It's horrible. It doesn't work. To like, I can 100% make you Indian food that you will you will like as much and not be able to differentiate between, you know, the local curry house down the road in this kitchen and oh by the way it's super healthy right the secret cashews that's the entire fucking secret to tikka masala sag paneer korma all you do is you you get you do have to get a couple spices but it's not like you have to go to fucking india for it you have to have like coriander and stuff it's not you know and then you you put the whatever tomatoes or spinach or whatever and, and, and some cashews in it, you blend that shit together. I'm making this stuff. I was thinking last night, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I ate all that. You know what I ate? A bag of fucking spinach and cashews and some spices. Like that's the best thing in the world for me. I need to mm-hmm. do that a lot more. And and there was, and I could have just eaten it all day. Um, it was so great, so great. And I found out, I, 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 know, I now know how to make cheese. Like the last week at this time, I know how to make cheese. Now I can make cheese. So it's easy to make cheese. And you know, you know what? I'll, I'll probably never buy again ricotta cheese, because like I can make it faster than I can buy it now, and it's better. Awesome. My third thing, um, struggling as one does during these times, and so as one as George does in these times, I turn to people that help me not struggle so much. So mine is, so I turn to uh, Alan Watts and his book, um, The Wisdom of Insecurity, and I thought this quote was was relevant. When you realize that you live in, that indeed you are this moment now and no other, that apart from this there is no past and no future, you must relax and taste to the full, whether it be pleasure or pain. At once it becomes obvious why this universe exists, why conscious conscious beings have been produced, why sensitive organs, why space, time, and change. The whole problem of justifying nature of trying to make life mean something in terms of its future disappears utterly. Obviously, it all exists for this moment. It is a dance, and when you are dancing, you are not intent on getting somewhere. The meaning and purpose of dancing is the dance. And we be dancing. I was a philosophical one to end on.
Mm-hmm. Got to. Got to. <laughs> gotta be careful of having gotcha. you end too many times. Or it's... <laughs> <laughs> Why? It's, oh, okay. Then you stop and think about that. <laughs> well, it's good to be, good to be rocking with you all again we got the book club the last week of uh of the 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 uh, range, range this, week, this right? friday mm-hmm. this friday and then what's kate's book oh i bought it um it's a it's a music business history kind of thing one dude right. is kind of good we should get that out you had to join keeps. us on friday to get the actual title of the book no he said it last week I know, but you have to actually join us in the oh, book club. Oh, I see. <laughs> in All our right, you all have a good week. Mastermind. Creative exactly. Hang, Creative nugget. Love. Creative Nugent. Ted Nugent. <laughs> we'll call it Ted Nugent. All right, guys. <laughs> we won't. <laughs> yeah, Bye, we guys. Won't. Bye. <laughs> the Entrepreneurship and Art Podcast is a GH Strategic Production, hosted by me, Harley Sheridan, Dan Cervantes, and George Howard. For more information and show notes, visit our website at entrepreneurshipandart.com.